The Detroit Pistons schedule has dropped today. We know when they'll be wearing the teal jerseys, when those will be making a return. We know their first 10 games of the season. What do we think their record will be after the first 10 games of the season? We'll talk about all that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to our YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons, obviously. Hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. We're on our way to 5,000 subscribers. We're just under 1.3 sub or 1.3 K subs away. Let's try to get there before the start of the season. Or if you're listening to this on one of the podcast platforms, leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So the Pistons had their schedule drop today. We know about bobblehead nights. We know about when the teal jersey will be worn. We know the first 10 games of the season, all this kind of stuff. We're going to talk about that in today's episode and joining me to talk about all that today we have jeff iafrady from woodward sports jeff how you doing man i'm doing good man i'm excited uh, i got troy weaver behind me so i'm locked in i'm, I'm locked yeah. in on locked on to be specific. there you go that's, so that's perfect you, that's perfect thank you for having me man i appreciate it absolutely man we had adam on a few weeks ago and when we had him on i have a bunch of comments saying you gotta get jeff on you gotta get jeff on so we finally got jeff on let's hopefully have some fun here hopefully you guys all enjoy everything we're going to be talking about today, but let's go ahead and get right into it. So, Jeff, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We'll recap the offseason a little bit later on and get your thoughts on what the offseason looked like and, you know, the team going into the regular season, what you think the regular season will play out like, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, some specific players if you want, all that stuff. But first, obviously, the Pistons schedule has dropped. First thing we're going to talk about is obviously the teal jerseys. We have eight home games with the teal jerseys. We have the Hawks on October 28th. The Warriors on October 30th, December 4th against the Grizzlies, December 18th versus the Nets, December 20th versus the Utah Jazz, February 3rd versus the Charlotte Hornets, February 4th, that's a back-to-back right there, against the Phoenix Suns, and then April 4th against the Miami Heat. So everyone, it sounds like a large majority of the fan base is really excited about the Teal coming back. Those are eight games right there. First, Jeff, are you excited about the Teal coming back? Do you like the Teal jerseys? And two, will you be finding yourself at any one of these games to don the teal with them i am excited i mean i'm wearing i got the the teal shirt on i am excited man I, and i get it i talk to to terry foster all the time about it he's not excited but i think it's different perspectives like for me i look at it like it's a chance for this core to kind of t- change that narrative with the whole teal because the guys like terry when you say the word teal they cringe but for me <laughs> in my lifetime i was born on the back half of the teal era so i don't really have an emotional connection uh to that era so i'm excited um, it, it looks good. I don't have a problem with it. And people need to chill out because it's like 10 games. Like you just read through the schedule. And to be honest, looking at those games too, it, it ain't, it's kind of scary. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I heard you reading off the names. I'm like, damn, they got us wearing teal against all these guys, man. These are, these are good teams. Yeah, exactly. But they, we got to wear some cool jerseys against these guys. We got to step our game up a little bit. Got to look good. You feel me? Um, That's true. I'm very excited for the teal jerseys like you. Um, I don't have like any like – I don't know. I don't even know if I should call it like an emotional attachment to jerseys. I just feel like jerseys should like look cool. That's like all I care about. Like, I don't care if exactly. you lose 500 games of them. I don't care if you win 500 games. Of them. If they look cool, that's all I care about. 
Um, and I've said this over and over before. I know a lot of older guys have an issue. Older guys and girls have an issue with uh, the teal jerseys because of the win-loss record and what came with it and all that kind of stuff. And my counter always is like, okay, well, if you feel that way about the teal, let's go ahead and get rid of the jerseys from the past 10 years because this is like the worst era that I've had to sit through. So if we're going to do that, let's just get rid of these boring <laughs> white jerseys that have been trashed for the past 10 years. But nonetheless, I'm happy that they're back. Um, it's only around 10 games. Like I said, I named all the home games here. Uh, those are eight games right there. Uh, I'm going to hopefully find myself at one of these games. I don't know. I might be credentialed this season. We don't know yet. So hopefully I'm at a lot of games. But if not, I'm definitely going to try to find myself at one of these games with the teal jersey. I'll probably show up in the teal jersey. Uh, I, I think the best one, to be honest, Jeff, I think I'm going to find myself at that Warriors game. I'm a big Steph fan. Yeah. I love Steph Curry. I really like watching the Warriors. Uh, so I think I might find myself at the October 30th one. Is there any specific one you think you might find yourself at or just any one you can find yourself and you're going to show up at? It's actually funny. I was going to say the Warriors. Well, for the re reasons you gave as well, the Steph Curry, you got the whole gang. But another reason w is to determine this team against a championship team. Like, that. that's kind of what I look at it, too. But if, if I got to give another one, I'll go Grizzlies. Like, I think that's that'd be another good matchup. You get Jabberant, Jay Nivey, uh, another young core that uh, ahead of the process, farther in the process than the Pistons. But that'd be another one. It's got to be Warriors or Grizzlies for me. Absolutely, man. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about the first 10 games of the season now. I saw a lot of Pistons fans, and this has been a topic of discussion all offseason, and we're actually going to get to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. But first, let's just talk about the first 10 games of the season. And I saw some fans were feeling pretty hype about it, thought they could have a good record of the first 10 games. I saw some other ones that like, not looking good. And I saw just a, just a little bit, very, the very, very minority, somewhere in between that. So I'm going to read you guys the first 10 games of the season, and then we're going to find out what Jeff thinks the record will be after the first 10 games. And I'll give you guys what I think the record will be after the first 10 games. But let me read you guys who they'll be going against. So they opened their season at home against the Orlando Magic, against Paolo Bencaro. I think that's going to be a pretty cool game. Good way to open. Mm -hmm. um, you got two or three straight road games. First against the Knicks, the Pacers. That's a back-to-back. -back. And then you got the Wizards on the October 25th. Then you're home for three straight games. The Hawks back-to-back -back on 26th of August. October against the Hawks, and then October 28th against the Hawks again. Then you got the Warriors at home again, October 30th. You got back-to-back -back, um, against the Bucks, not back-to-back -back days, but two straight against the Bucks, October 30th, and then November 2nd, both of them in Milwaukee, and then the Cavs on November 4th. So, Jeff, looking at that schedule, considering uh, home, away, back-to-backs, all that kind of thing, if you're looking at it right now, things will obviously change. It's very unlikely that anybody will really get it nail get it right there perfectly right, right now but what's your opinion right now um with how the top 10 or first 10 games will go when i first looked at it um it was tough like and i get it fans are optimistic we're a little biased but you have to look at it like this and i always say this to lions fans too when we look at the schedule and we say well that's a win don't you think other teams are looking at the Pistons right now and being like, you know what? They're not that good. We could beat these guys. Like it's, it's the same thing. So for me, I went through the first 10, I got them at three and seven. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I think best case scenario four and six, but again, you mentioned it, the back-to-back -back against Indy. I get Indy's not a good team, but 
like you said, it's a back-to-back. I think that Cleveland game as well, that 10th game, um, you're at home. Maybe you beat Cleveland, but Cleveland's good. So I would put them at three and seven. Uh, my three wins I have are against uh, Orlando. I think they'll beat Orlando at home to open the season. I can see them beating Indiana or Washington. I think they'll lose at Madison Square Garden, to be honest with you. Um, and then you have Atlanta. I, I think they split with Atlanta, but easily you could be sweeped, <laughs> like both games. Um, and then Golden State, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Those three to me are all losses. I would like it to be close, maybe a steal one. Uh, but again, I think there's just different levels to this. So I'll have them at three and seven, best case scenario, four and six. So I think something that you said there is something that fans, of not just the Pistons, like you said, the Lions, any other team, uh, should also think about is that, again, when you're sitting here saying, oh, that's a, when we can beat those guys, fans of that team is also looking at the schedule <laughs> and saying, hey, we can beat those guys. So it's the same. It's like a toss-up. So you don't know who's going to win. Um, So I'm not going to lie. I have them around three and seven, two. Uh, I think it could very well be two and eight. Um, This is the problem here. So they're not being the Bucks either time. They're not being the Warriors. No. I don't know. I, they might split with the Hawks because they're at home both these games. But I, the Hawks are just like if, if you're going, who's the better team? It's the Hawks. But yeah, I could see them maybe splitting with the Hawks, the Cavs. I don't think they're being the Cavs. And then the first four games, I'll admit, I think they'll all to- toss up. I think that's where they have to get their wins in. I think mm-hmm. they could possibly beat the Magic. They could possibly beat the Knicks, even though I think they might. They're probably going to lose to the Knicks. I think they can beat the Pacers. And I think they can beat the Wizards. So if I had to predict, I think their three wins would come against Orlando. Indy and Washington, and then they go on a one, two, three, four, five, six game losing streak. Um, or I think they would drop another game to Orlando to open up the season and then only win against the Pacers Wizards. I could see that. But another thing that to to think about here too is that usually when you look at schedules, you lose usually lose a game you're supposed to win and then win a game you're not supposed to win. So right. that, you, you can take that into account too. Maybe they can go from two and eight to four and six or three and seven to five and five, or heck they could go from three and seven to one and nine. Who knows? Um, but I really think that the back six is going to be really tough. I could see them really losing six straight right there, at least three straight to warriors, bucks, bucks. Um, but I think they're probably going to lose six straight there and they're going to have to get some wins in the first four to avoid being like one and nine in the first 10 games. I think it's possible they can win three games, but I think it's just as possible they can lose uh, eight or nine. So we'll see how it goes though. Um, do you have any other thoughts you want to talk about with the first 10 games? Uh, well, actually, and you brought it up too, like the last, you know, four or five games of that 10 game stretch, it's scary. And if you even go past that, like I know we're only doing the first 10, it gets even worse. Like you're facing, you, you got Boston, uh, Boston again, two games later, Clippers, Lakers, like it gets like, we always talk about expectations for this season, but things can get out of hand very quickly in the first, we'll just say 25 games. So I'm curious to see what happens, man. I think, like you said, a lot of those games are toss ups, but Again, it's it's up to these guys. I mean, it's hard to guess how guys progress. We don't know what Cade's going to look like in, in Jade in his rookie year, but looking on paper, it's tough. It's tough to pick this team. To I know Pistons fans are like they could go four and zero, or you know what I mean. I, I've been seeing stuff like that. I'm like, guys, it's that's tough to do. It really is. Yeah, and right now, I think I think that's a perfect way to segue into the next topic, which is expectations for this season based off what Troy Weaver and the G and, and the front office and Dwayne Casey, all of them have put together. This past offseason with the schedule out now, what are your expectations for this upcoming season? We'll talk about that when we come back from the ad break. But first, let me tell you guys a little bit. Let me give you guys actually a little bit of a life lesson here. I hope you guys have really listened to this one. You're hanging out with some friends and you're putting back a few drinks. A few become a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think about calling for a ride. But nah, 
You live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal, right? Well, what are the odds you'll get pulled over? Or even so, what's the worst that could possibly happen? Your insurance just goes up. You happen to lose your license for a little bit. Or you can lose your job. You can total your car. Or at the worst case, you could possibly kill somebody. Everyone knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. And for real, guys, if you're having a few drinks, there's nothing wrong with having a few drinks and going out and having some fun. But please plan ahead and get yourself a ride. Or there's plenty of things you can do. You can get an Uber. You can get all kinds of things. Just don't get behind the wheel if you are under the influence. You can change your life or someone else's forever in an absolutely tragic way. So again, drive sober or get pulled over. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. Or if you're listening to this on one of the podcast platforms, leave a five-star review on whatever platform that is. That's another great way to support the podcast. All right, Jeff. So we talked about the first 10 games of the season. It It's, it's looking a little rough. You kind of brought up <laughs> the games after the first 10 games. Uh Looking, looking, looking scary. Yeah. Uh, it, it, <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it. It's looking scary. Yep. Um, but despite that, that hasn't stopped a lot of optimism from the Pistons fan base. Um, and I kind of want to say something real quick before we get any further into this. My last episode, I had Josh Everly uh, at Hoop Magazine. You can find him on the NBA Sports News. You can find him on Spotify Live, Hosting Rooms. One of the more popular guys in the NBA community, all that kind of stuff. I had him on the podcast last last episode and he was very uh i think according to the pisses community and i'm not gonna lie to myself too very down on this team and very down on a lot of players now i just want to say i'm not as down on as on the pisses as he is however like i said in that episode i'm gonna say it again here i think it's good to get perspective from outside detroit even if you still end up disagreeing i think it's good to still see what people outside detroit are looking at your team like um, and maybe that helps you change your mind on some things. Maybe you go and reassess some things. Who knows? Uh, or maybe you stay at the exact same opinion that you were beforehand. But I think it's just good that you try to get some opinions from outside so you're not just feeling like maybe I'm too biased. But I will say uh, it was a little uh, <laughs> it was a little bit more negative than I thought it would be. I'm going to say that. Um, but anyways, Jeff, a lot of Pistons fans had a lot of optimism after this offseason, after the drafting of Jane Ivey and Jalen Duran. Um what where are you thinking about the team this season? Are you looking at this season as a, oh God, this team can push for a plan? Oh God, I got a comment the other day. This team could possibly be a sixth seed. Are you looking at it like that? Or are you saying, you know, this is probably going to be another tough year, probably when the in the win loss column, um, and they may find themselves at the top of the draft again next season? Where where are you at right now? Along with you know with the news of the schedule dropping, we see the how the first fifteen or so games are going to go. What where are you at right now with the team? I'll say this. I think Pistons fans have every right to be excited because they're in a position now they haven't been in 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 quite some time. So I get the optimism. But if we're being realistic uh, for this team this year, I'm I'm kind of teetering between contending for a plan, contending, and just being tough, like having a tough year. Because, again, last year had some injuries. Jeremy Grant's not in this team anymore. You have to replace him not only offensively but defensively. And I think defensively is going to be the problem more so than offensively. 
But again, what like I was saying earlier, too, it's so hard to project guys. Like, I have to project Jaden to have a great rookie year. I have to project Sadiq Bay to take the next step. I have to project Cade. Like, if you really think this team can make a six seed, man. Like, I, I and I listen, I love the optimism, but you're banking on a lot of things to go your way. If you're being realistic, I think in the East, which is very tough, um, if you look at last year's play-in, you have to win at least 40 games just to get in the play-in. So that's number one. Uh, but number two, I think this year, hmm, I, I don't want to say – they can at least be 10 wins better, I think. If you can get at least 30 wins, to me, that's still a good thing. If you're seeing guys take the next step individually, Cade um, and Jaden are learning how to play together, I look at it as a positive. I'm not too concerned. If, if you win 30 games, 32, 34 games this year, I'm not going to be sitting in the offseason next year going, damn. Like, we, we blew this thing. Like, that's the process. And I, I guess Troy Weaver at the helm, it's hard not to be excited. Uh, but, again, there's a process to these things, and I don't think they're there yet. You're going to have plenty of cap space next year, and, and the following years you're going to be able to take that next step. But for right now, Koo, I got them at between 30 and 35 wins. That's where I got them um, contending for the play, and I don't think they'll make it. Uh, but if, as long as you can stay in it for the entirety of the season, I call that a success. If you could stay on the outside of it and not be, you know, a bottom three team in, in the NBA – I'm happy with it, man. So this is where I'm at with this team. They won 23 games last season. And like you said, I, I think when we people start talking about this, fans take it as, why can't we be excited? Why can't we be happy about this team? And that's not that's not the case at all. I'm extremely excited about this team. Right. I'm extremely excited about the young core that Troy Weaver has built. I'm sure you are, like you said. I'm sure just about every fan is extremely excited for how this thing is looking for the future. But for, that's for the future. Right now, mm -hmm. they are an extremely, and I mean extremely young team. Like, I think their average age is like 22 years old. Like, it's it, they're an extremely young team. They lost Jeremy Grant, who, no matter how you feel about him, and I wasn't his biggest fan, he was probably their best player in the objectively for the large majority of last season. Cade, uh, you could probably argue Cade at some point took over. But Jeremy was probably their best player on the floor, and you just lost him. If right. you're taking that into account for the win-loss record, like you said, if you're projecting that they're going to be in the play-in or anything higher than that, which I think is – I think higher than the play-in, you're kind of being way too crazy. You're just being, <laughs> like, you're just being insane. But if you're saying they could possibly make the play-in, you're, you're, like you said, you're projecting a lot of improvement from just about every mm -hmm. guy. First of all, Cade would have to take a superstar kind of jump, I think. Or maybe not – let me not say superstar, but like an all-star guaranteed kind right. of jump. Um, I think Jaden would have to be a really good rookie, like contention for rookie of the year kind of stuff. Isaiah Stewart would actually have to be like a 37% three-point shooter. I think Sadiq Bey would have to be extremely consistent on both ends of the floor, see a massive improvement defensively, and start hitting closer to 40% of his threes. I think Killian Hayes would have to be averaging like 10 points or more off the bench for you. I think he would have to be shooting around 44 45% from the field, around 33% from deep. Like, I feel like these are big jumps that you're going to be expecting, not just from one guy, two guys. You're going to have to expect those kind of jumps from every guy. And the reason why I'm just not sold on that is, one, uh, improvement and progression is not linear. A lot of guys take a step, and then they take a minor step back, and then take a big step again. Like, just because a guy improved from year one to year two doesn't mean he's going to take another step year three. Sometimes they mm -hmm. take a step back year three, and then they take a big step year four. Like, it's not linear. You can't. You can't project those kind of things. So could it happen? Could all those guys get better in the same offseason and come back ready to play and ready to compete for a plan? Maybe. I mean, I guess it could happen. And if it does, all of us would be extremely excited if they did. But I just don't think it's very realistic. I think it's 
um, unfair to expect for these guys. A lot of these guys, all of them, again, most of them are under 22 years old, 23 years old. It's unfair, I feel like, to put those kind of expectations on them um, and to hold them to that because I just don't think they have a high chance of actually doing that. I don't blame them. I don't think that would be a bad thing. Um, and also, lastly, I actually really want to get your thoughts on this because this is an argument I make a lot is that I feel like Troy Weaver agrees with us. I feel like if he was pushing for a play or felt like this team was ready for a play or make another jump, you would have saw him going after DeAndre Ayton. You would have at least saw him going after Miles Bridges before the everything mm-hmm. happened with him off the court. You would have seen him go after Jalen Brunson. You would have seen him use his money, you know, the cap space they had, instead of using it in expiring contracts and Kemba Walker, who will get bought up, and Alec Burks and Nolan's Lowell, who are basically expiring because they're on team options. Instead of him using cap space for that and kicking it down the road the next offseason, he would have spent it in free agency. He would have added veterans. He would have added guys that made the roster make more sense on the floor. Instead, he went the route very clearly of kicking the can down the road, going for next offseason, keeping flexibility, and not really bringing in any veterans that are going to take minutes away or stop these young guys from having another year to develop. So I think Troy Weaver actually said that with his moves this offseason. Do you agree with that, or do you push back a little bit against that? No, I agree with it. And I think another thing, too, is is unlike past general managers for the Detroit Pistons, he understands the plan. Like, there's not a rushing process. And I think, too, what you just said, going out and getting Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel, two expiring contracts to fill up that cap space, that tells me alone. Like, you're eating cap to wait till next year. That that tells me that. It's not saying, you know, oh, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, we're going to take the next step this year. It's like, no, he understands. Like you said, there's you're kicking the can down the road, and rightfully so, because like you said, you're, or like I was making the point earlier, your backcourt, Jaden and Kate are both 20 and 21 years old. Like, what do you expect these two? If you want to lose games in this in the league, in the NBA, play young guards. And, and you're going to find that out this year. Like, there, there's a gelling process for those guys. Kate averaged almost four turnovers last year. There's a lot of things they have to work on still. So if you're going to expect these two alone to propel you or Sadiq Bay, whoever you project, to, to propel them into the playoffs, that's a lot to ask, man. So I agree with you. I think Troy – I trust Troy. He like this. This man has has done everything in his first three years to get my trust. That's why I'm not overreacting. If you wait another year, I can wait another year because I know there's, it's going to be for the greater good. Like when you're ready, like Troy said, when we show up, we want to be here. We want to stay here. You don't want to just show up, spend all this money on on guys, um, and, and go and make a play in or make a playoff, be an eight seed. Like no, you, you when you get here, you want to be there. You want to stay there. So I like what Troy's doing, man. I got no problem with it at all. I think what you just said was an amazing point. I actually forgot Troy said that, but I think it absolutely is perfect for this situation is that you don't want to just show up. You want to show up and stay. You want to show up and make noise and be there for a minute. So he's not, I I don't think Weaver is really worried about let's make the play in and and try popping like the Hornets and like Hornets could possibly be not even in the plan this year. Like, I don't think he's worried about that. I don't think he's trying to go the Atlanta Hawks route of, pushing all your chips in for one year. Yeah, we make the Eastern Conference Finals, but now it's looking really messy. Now we don't know. I think Troy, like you said, like he and like he said, we want to show up and we want to stay. We want to build a sustained winner that once we show up, we're not going anywhere. So that's why I'm not concerned about making the play in this year. Um, also, another point I think that really shows that Troy was kicking it down the road winning-wise is that the team was one of the worst shooting teams in NBA history last year. And he didn't exactly address that this this offseason. He didn't right. – like, that's not exactly being addressed. Now, again, I'll, I'll end it with this, and you can tell me if you agree or not. Um, I don't think Troy Weaver is intentionally tanking. I think that's what people are missing on this. I don't think he's intentionally saying, I want to put a bad product on the floor. I think he's saying, we're going to put our young guys on the floor. We're going to give them plenty of minutes to develop and get better through the season. 
And if that results in wins that get us to a plan, cool. It probably is not, and I don't expect it to. So mm-hmm. we're going to let it play out. We'll get another top pick in a stack draft next year. But in the wild case that by us giving these young guys this many minutes, all of a sudden K takes this all-star leap. Ivy is a rookie of the year candidate. Killian looks like a six-man type of guy off the bench. Sadiq looks like mm-hmm. a monster in this at starting at the three. Isaiah Stewart shooting close to 40% from me. Like if, by the chance that us giving them these minutes, that happens and that pushes us to the plan, then cool. We did it the right way. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Weaver expects that to happen. And by doing that, he's, like we said earlier, he's kicking the can down the road. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. I mean, you let these guys figure it out. You have a you have a perfect coach for this situation. And, and the NBA is not like the NFL. The NFL, you can turn things you know around quickly in one year, two years. The NBA, there's a process. Look at the Memphis Grizzlies. Like you win 30 wins, you jump in, you make the play in. The next year, boom, we're here. We're we're you know a, a two seed. So like, I agree with you, man. There, there's people I think get so you know as fans, especially Pistons fans, it's like we want to rush the process, but then we complain when 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 crap hits the fan. Like you have to understand when you're there and you get to stay there, everybody's going to appreciate it even more. So I agree. I think that's exactly what he's doing. Absolutely, man. All right. So when we come back, though, we're going to talk about some specific players and some of your expectations for very specific players. Kay Cunningham, Jane Ivey, Sadiq, Isaiah Stewart. We kind of mentioned them already. Killian Hayes, Marvin Bagley, all these guys. We're going to get Jeff's thoughts on these guys and what he expects from them and what he thinks would be a successful season from these guys when we come back. But first, I have to tell you guys about another one of our sponsors, BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your sports betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you absolutely covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about their trends and action today. And if you head over to BetOnline.net right now, you'll see if you click on the basketball section, you can get a head start on the NBA season and take a look at who is the favorite to win the championship next year. BetOnline has the Boston Celtics. I don't agree with that. I don't know what that has to do with it. I think it has to do with KD possibly being traded there. But if I had to be take my money, I would say that I think the Milwaukee Bucks should be the favorites next year, especially coming out the East. But BetOnline, maybe they know something that I don't. Head over to BetOnline.net today, and you can do all that kind of stuff by using your mobile device to learn more about their trends and action today. BetOnline, where their game starts. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. Or if you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, leave a five-star review on whatever platform that is. That's another great way to support the podcast. All right, Jeff. So let's start with Kay Cunningham. I think for a lot of fans that believe they could push for a plan, I think it has to start with Cade, 100%. A lot of the other guys will have to improve it too, but in order for them to actually have be able to take that chance and take that leap to a plan, Cade has to go from what m- most people would probably say in Detroit should have been rookie of the year, a rookie of the year kind of guy, to a mm-hmm. legitimate great NBA player. I think he would – not just good for a rookie. I think he would have to be legitimately a great NBA player in the league. He'd have to be close to an all-star, if not a all-star in the league, guaranteed one, um, if they wanted – to make the play in despite all that. I don't know if you want to take that route, but just what's your overall expectations of Cade in his second season in the NBA leading this franchise? 
I do want to address what you just said, too, about Cade and, and how much would be on his shoulders if they were to make the play. And I agree. And, and it starts with look at other teams. Look at LaMelo Ball with the Hornets and look at the, the, the steps he took. Look at John Morant with the, with the Memphis Grizzlies. Like, a lot of it depends on your franchise players. So I agree with you there. Um, my expectation for Cade this year, and it's funny because last year that was the biggest thing. Why isn't Cade getting to the free throw line or why isn't refs giving him calls? The dude averaged 18 on like 2.6 uh, you know, free throw attempts. So number one, getting stronger in the offseason, I think he's going to get to the line a lot more. Uh, so I, I think minimum he's going to average 20. I got him at about 21, 22, 6, and 6. Anywhere if you want to argue, you know, 7 and 7, whatever it is, I think he'll be better. Um, I don't know if he'll make the all-star team considering I don't think the Pistons will be that good. But you never know if they make, you know, a play-in or a playoffs. Uh, of course, you can have a chance to make it. But I think 22, 6, and 6 is where I got Cade right now. And I'll take it, man. I mean, baby steps. Um, and, and like I said, Cade in the future may not be your leading scorer, but he's going to have the biggest impact on the game. So I got Cade at 22, 6, and 6 around there, anywhere you want to put it. Um, and I'll take that, man, second year. And he'll be much more efficient. That's the number one thing I'm looking at, too. Yeah, I, I, I'm basically right around there. My my expectation for Cade this year has been like 21, 6, and 6. I've been saying that routinely. Um, that's why I expect him to be at. I think he's going to shoot. My main thing, like you mentioned at the end, is his efficiency. That's why I want to watch for Um mm -hmm. I want to see if he can get above 44% from the field. I think he can. I think he was hovering around there anyways at the end of the year over the last, like, 20 games of the season, 26 games. If you take away his first month, if you look at, honestly, just overall his month-by-month -month shooting splits, they get better and better and better. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. I think he will. Uh, for example, like in March, he shot 48% from, from the field. I expect him to be somewhere around, like, 44% from the field. Three-point-wise, I think he needs to be closer to 35%, I think he'll be hovering around 34%, especially if it, a lot of them are coming on pull-ups. That's a tough shot. Uh, so mm -hmm. if he can shoot like 34% on good volume um, from, from three on pull-up jumpers, all that kind of stuff, I think that would be good. Um, like I said, I expect him to be around 21, 6, and 6, but more so I think everyone should be focusing more so not just on the box score, but, okay, is he drawing free throws like you mentioned? Because the drawing – actually, I have this right here. Where is it? I actually was cleaning out my, my game room today, and you guys remember this? You guys will remember this from the podcast. You guys, you can you see, that, <laughs> you see that, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it, it says, it, you guys will remember after one game, I wrote down on a piece of paper. It says, petition, give Cade some damn foul calls. I signed my name on this petition, and right here, wait, no, yeah, right here, you guys can sign your name too. So it's official. We, we did that last year. Hopefully that comes through for us this year because he does need to draw from some free throws. In this past season, I don't think a lot of it was his fault, to be honest. I, I feel like a lot of times he was just getting fouled and he wasn't getting the respect of the re officials. But him definitely getting stronger, I think, will make him absorb more contact and mm -hmm. the fouls will look more obvious, hopefully. Um, hopefully. I want him to draw free throws. What do you say? I said hopefully, like you said. Yeah, like, I mean, my God. I mean, hopefully they, after last season it can't get much worse than that. So draw some free throws, shoot better from the field, shoot better from deep. And if that results in 21, six and six or 19, seven and seven or something like that, I'll, but if he's, if he's shooting better from the field, I, I, I wouldn't be too worried about him not getting to like 23, 24 points a game or anything. Cause I think that will come at some point in his career. You just need to make sure he's being an efficient player uh, at some point. I think that's what I'm watching for mostly this season from him also to be a decent defensive player as well, while maintaining that offensive load. Um, let's go to the next player real quick that I want to talk about. That's Isaiah Stewart. I'm not going to talk about Jane Ivey or Jalen Duran because they're rookies and it's hard to really say what rookies will do. Uh, we've seen these guys a year ago. We can see what they, we want to see better from them in their second, third NBA season. I'm not going to mention anything about the rookies because I, who knows what they're going to come in that, like. 
Um, but let's talk about Isaiah Stewart real quick. Do you believe, are you one of the believers that Isaiah Stewart will be a stretch big this upcoming season for the Pistons? That's a tough one for me. I, I think he, he, he'll he be able to space the floor at times, but to say he can be a floor spacer right now this year, considering what he looked like last year attempting three-pointers, like there's a there's still a process with these things. Like he may shoot low 30s this year, maybe. It may be like 30, and then next year get better and better. So I'm not too concerned. I think for the future, absolutely. I think he could be a floor spacer and definitely be a ver- as versatile as he is to be able to knock down shots, uh, especially from the outside, can make him that much more valuable. But this year, Ku, I don't think, you know, 30, if people are actually saying, you know, he's going to shoot 36% this year, 35%, I don't agree with that. I think there's a process, but eventually I do think so. He can be pretty good. I mean, you see the form in the in the summer league. I think it looks good, um, but to go out and, and compare summer league stats and, and be like, well, he was 4-5 or five in this game in the summer league, so he should be fine in the regular season. I don't know about that one. But I think in, in long term, he'll, yeah, absolutely, yes. So I think that – He'll probably, I think he'll shoot around low 30s, high 20s this year on higher volume. I think that's the bigger thing. I don't mm-hmm. think he's only going to be taking like one a game or l- less than one a game like last season. I think he'll probably be taking like three a game this season, three to four maybe, even so right. if they start him at the four. Um, and I agree, it's a process. So as long as you get like progression in that area, you see reason to believe that it's going to be better. I think it'll be okay. But I don't think he's going to be that stretch big this year. The hope is that he is like two years down the line, two, three years down the line. I think that's the hope. Um, so hopefully he shows some promise this year. Um, all I'm expecting from Stu this year is to continue to be a defensive player and try mm-hmm. to find something offensively that he can hang his hat on. Um, this past season, he was one of the worst finishers in the entire NBA as a big guy. We talked about that in the last episode, 14th percentile on putbacks, 23rd percentile on, on finishing around the rim, non-post-ups. It's not very good stuff. Um, he did start to show an outside shot the last like month of the season. And then summer league, his form does look much smoother. And I'm not going to lie, watching summer league will give you hope that he can do it. So maybe he right. does. But I think the expectation should be around like at the highest, like 32% for this season alone. I think if he hits that, everyone should be ecstatic because that should mean good things moving forward. Um, I'm not going to be too mad if he gets like 29, 30%. Uh, cause I don't expect him to go from someone who just wasn't attempting three <laughs> to like some marksman all of a sudden i don't think that's realistic so as long as he shows progression progression i think that would be a good season for him while maintaining his defensive effort um let's move on to the next player now we got two more players i want to do then we can wrap up the podcast killian hayes very uh controversial player in the pistons community all the lockdown pistons fans know how i feel about killian hayes so i'm not going to spend too much time with this one jeff just what are your expectations for killian coming into this second season or his third season well, I think defensively, uh, I don't really have too many questions. Obviously, you saw in the Trey Young clip today in the Rico Hines run, he was reaching, and Trey Young was teaching. <laughs> so that's the problem. You got to watch when you reach. But another thing is offensively, this one's tough for me because before summer league, I'm excited. You see him in the gym. You see him working on things, finishing especially. And I'm sitting there going, okay, all right. I- I'm excited to see Killian. And in the first summer league game, it just seemed like he was killing like, and that's not a bad thing, but it, it, he's not a scorer. So that's what I'm trying to digest now is accepting who Killian is and accepting what he brings to the Pistons. So my expectations from this year, I think will be, you know, your sixth or seventh man. I, I, I mean, to say he's going to be sixth man is, is probably a little bit of a stretch unless he takes that jump offensively, which he can. Um, and there's going to be a lot of situations where you're going to be able to play three guards, um, his versatility as well. 
But yeah, I don't have any question marks defensively. I just hope offensively his three-point shooting, that's the issue. And I can tell he's been working on his form. You see some adjustments, especially with his footwork. So I'm excited to see that this year. But again, for me, it's 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 finishing with confidence, finishing, going through contact, and then just being more consistent from, uh, from three points. So that's really the two things I'm looking at offensively. I know what he brings with his playmaking defensively. Uh, so really, it's just those two things I'm concerned about this year for Killian Hayes. All right, so I'm gonna throw this one out here. I haven't said this yet, but this is basically why I'll leave it at. I'm not gonna. I don't want to take too much time talking about killing because I always find myself talking about him too much. <laughs> um, two things. Either two things have to happen for killing this year for me to call it a success. Two things. One, he has to shoot more than ten times a game. I think he has to be hovering around ten shots per game. I need him mm-hmm. to be aggressive and actually looking for a shot and looking like how he did at the end of last season. He was hovering around ten shots a game last season towards the end of the uh, over the last like 16, 18 games, and he was averaging around eleven points a game doing so. So he needs to do that or two. Actually, no, he needs to do that. That's thing. That, 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 yeah, that, you got that, it. That yeah, you got it. And then the second thing, this is an either or. One, you have to shoot around 33% from deep on decent volume. Mm-hmm. Or two, I need you to be hovering around 44% from the floor. So Because that tells me that you're shooting better from two-point range and you're fishing around the rim. So if you're shooting well around the rim on twos, but you're struggling from deep, I can live with that because that tells me you're getting more aggressive around the rim. And maybe that's what your calling card is. Maybe you'll never be a three-point shooter. You'll be a finisher around the rim, someone who can get to the paint. I can live with that. If you're shooting 33 34% from deep, your three-point shot's gotten better. Maybe you just won't ever be a, a finisher around the rim, but at least you can spot out the floor. So you need to do right. one of those two things for me this year or shoot at least 10 times. If he doesn't do one of those things, I think you have to – I'm a Killian fan, but I think at that point you have to be like, okay, maybe you might need to move him. Um, and then the last guy we're going to talk about just real quick Marvin Bagley, uh, Sadiq Bay. I'm not going to talk about Sadiq because Sadiq, I feel like we're all around the same area with Sadiq. I think we all like what we saw from him last year. Basically stay the same, just improve defensively and be a little bit more consistent. I, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to really have much different to say about Sadiq, but Marvin Bagley, I think will vary from what people feel. So I just want to get your mm-hmm. thoughts real quick about Marvin Bagley and we can wrap it up. Well, what are you expecting from him this season after how he played at the end of last season for the Pistons? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I liked what I saw, especially coming in, th- th- those games he played, especially getting traded to Detroit. Not a lot of plays were, were schemed up for him, and he was still able to go out and get some buckets. For me, it's defensively. Like, that's the number one thing for me with Marvin Bagley is, like, especially with Dwayne Casey, you got to play defense. And I know Marvin, offensively, he's got a lot of talent, um, got a lot of God-given ability, but still, if, if you're a liability defensively, I have a problem with that. That's why I – and I've come out and said, I wouldn't have a problem if he came off the bench just because I know what he's going to bring offensively. Uh, um, but again, that's my two questions. It's, it's defensively and offensively taking less threes, but if he is going to take them, be more consistent at it. That's all I ask. So, but mainly my concern with Marvin has always been defensively. That That's my number one thing with him. All right. Well, I'll, I'll basically say the same thing. That's my expectation. I want to see him get better defensively to where I don't think he'll ever be even an average defender, to be honest, but he can't be the worst defender in the NBA. He has to be like, <laughs> no. He has to be, like, below average. Like, I need him to get to that point. And if he starts to show progression to that point, I think that would be good. And then secondly, offensively, you kind of hit on it a little bit. I want to see him dominate the sideline. Or, no, the baseline. I want to see him dominate yeah. dominate the baseline. Mm-hmm. He's great at finishing around the rim. Shot 87% from at the rim, 0 to 3 feet. Basically, he catches the ball around there. It's a finish or you're going to follow. You're going to have to follow him. He's getting free throws. So I don't have questions about him there. Dunker spot, great. Alley-oops, great. I think he can dominate that. Cutting down from like the little short jumper area, I think he can catch alley-oops, mm-hmm. just dominate that area. I think he'll be good. I think he can just dominate that area. I want to see him extend to the corner 
uh, if if that's something they're going to ask him to do, extend to the corner. Show us that that season two years ago in Sacramento when you shot 34% from three, 41% from in, from the corners, uh, even though it was just a small sample side, I believe it was like 34, 36 games. Uh, show us that that was something that you can actually replicate. Because if he can do that, I think literally he can be one of the most fearsome guys along the, the baseline in the NBA because of his finish ability, because of how good he is with the ball in his hands, because of how a freak athlete he is. Imagine him just running down from the corner on, on while Cage driving the opposite side. That's just a scary sight. You're not going to stop him. It's going to be crazy. So if he can mm-hmm. get himself to a good three-point shooter from the corners, I think he will really be a nice addition offensively while also becoming, like, I guess, passable defensively. I think that would be a great season for Marvin Bagley. But we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Jeff, thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate it, man. Make sure you guys go check out Jeff and all his stuff at Woodward Sports. Jeff, is there anywhere else that we can find you at besides Woodward Sports? Yeah, go check out uh, From Half Court, me and Sean uh, on YouTube, social media, whatever, look it up. And then I got Jeff and Gentry in Woodward Pistons as well. So check out Woodward Pistons. But, yeah, that's it, man. You hit it on it all. And thank you for having me, by the way. It was a blast. Absolutely, man. Thank you for coming on, man. We'll for sure have you back on at some point, probably during the season, to recap how we how our first 10 games prediction looks at that point. We'll have you back on. It's going to be some fun. But thank you again for coming on, man. Make sure you guys go check him out over on Twitter. I want to thank you guys for making – in Lockdown Pistons, your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to our YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. Or if you listen to this on one of the podcast platforms, leave a five-star review on whatever platform that is. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Peace out, everybody.